Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And today I'm talking to Alison Woods, who has an inspiring and amazing story, not just about her weight loss, but also about her discovery of intermittent fasting and consequently a whole foods diet that completely changed her relationship with food, with her weight, with herself and with life in general. Here's our chat. Okay, so I'm talking today to Alison Woods and Alison, lovely to see you. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what your life was like when you were still consuming sugar. Okay, well, thank you, Netta, for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, let's see. Well, I think that I have been a food addict or uh, just into food my entire life. My mom tells a story of when I was two or three years old and she dropped me off at a neighbor's house for a play date. And when she came and picked me up, the neighbor said, oh, Allison was great, but she ate all the cookies out of the cookie jar. Uh-huh. didn't even see me do it like they don't they didn't yeah. and so I've been a sneak eater and uh and it's always been around sugar or flour uh ever, ever since I can remember uh, I don't remember that episode but uh it's always been that way yeah so okay so I mean even before your first memories you had this behavior. What Do you have any memories of when you were a slightly older child? Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember my mom would do everything she could. She had no sweet snacks in the house. She didn't have things she called sugar cereals in the house. But if it came in because of a special occasion or, or whatnot, I was sneaking down in the middle of the night to eat it. And I was always looking for it and trying to find ways to find food, sugar. It was all sugar food uh, that wasn't readily available, but yet I still managed to find it. So did you feel like you were restricted on a daily basis and then it was like no holds barred? Yeah, I just had this constant drive for it. I don't know if I felt necessarily what that meant to me at that time. I just know I was always seeking food and food was always something that I went to, like no matter what emotion it was, happy, sad, discouraged, bored, it, it was always food that like became my best friend. So it was always there. And was it all food or was it certain types of food? It is primarily either sugar or flour-based foods, processed. Hot, the more highly processed, the more it, it was. It, I certainly wasn't out there seeking broccoli, um, but uh, I, if you gave me a choice between a frosted cake and bread, I would go for bread. Like huh. Bread was always... It, it was always more that type of food, but so it, it, but they go hand in hand. So if I would eat ice cream, I would be craving uh, either chips or crackers or something like that afterwards. So there was always this crunchy, salty thing that kind of matched up with sugar. Even though it wasn't in the house or wasn't supposed to be in the house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this went on all your childhood. At what point in your life did you sort of become more aware that this was actually going on? This was like in your behavioral pattern, I guess. I was probably in my 20s when I really started figuring it out. But I, I, 
what I was trying to manage before that was my weight, right? Because of course my weight was climbing up and up and up. I've been overweight, obese, morbidly obese my entire adult life until recently. And so even as a child, I was always overweight. And so everything I was doing was about trying to control my weight. It never, I didn't make the connection to what types of foods I was eating, like that it's sugar or flour or anything like that. It was just always about weight. And uh, I, I made some pretty uh, radical decisions to try and control my weight as a late teenager. Um, uh, I started smoking because <laughs> hated smoking and I hated the taste of cigarettes. And I thought if I smoke, then I won't eat. That didn't last that long. Uh, I soon just kept eating, even though it tasted disgusting because of the taste of cigarettes. So there I am now a smoker eating. Uh, when I learned to drive, I got a stick shift car so that I couldn't eat and do the stick shift. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, and then it was like, okay, I can't smoke and stick shift and eat. Oh, it only took a matter of a few days and I was still there eating the French fries, going through the drive-throughs getting, you know, two or three meals at drive-throughs. I would go to one, not just one drive-through, I'd go to several and driving my stick shift, eating, smoking. And, uh, and then, uh, it, it did all for me lead to harder drugs. And I started doing those. And the thing I loved about them was that they took my appetite away. Huh. And for the first time I had peace around food. It, I didn't care about food. Uh, but drugs have their own really, really bad side effects. And not long after I started, I, I'm a non-functional addict. So I ended up in rehab when I was uh, 23 years old and I have been clean and sober since then. And I stopped smoking uh, about a year after I got sober, maybe two years after I got sober. Uh, but then I was left with the food. Yeah, well, bravo to you for, I mean, that must have been really difficult for the drugs and the cigarettes and the fact that food was left over is kind of a testament to just how, like, I, I hesitate to use the word addicted because it's a loaded word, but, you know, we both understand that that's what we mean. Yes. And you can't live without food, whereas, you know, we can live without cigarettes and hard drugs. So how, like, how did you pass this final frontier? So it's taking me a while because I didn't pass it until just recently. Um, and I'm now 52 years old. So uh, along the way, I tried many, many diets. Um, I, uh, I had been a member of Overeaters Anonymous. I had tried to let go of sugar and flour through that multiple times. And it just, I just couldn't, I didn't have the mindset. It always felt like I was being deprived. It didn't feel like a choice I was making for me. It felt like someone else was always telling me what I needed to do with all these diets. And none of them were ever a perfect fit. So, you know, the, the X diet says you have to eat eggs in the morning. I don't like eggs. Mm -hmm. So then I can't fully follow the diet. So if I can't fully follow the diet, I might as well go ahead and have candy. You know, <laughs> like, that's where my yeah. brain would go. Uh, so it took all the way until May of 2019 when I found intermittent fasting. And that's when all the breakthroughs in my life started. And that's amazing because that to me is like what the key was for you is not this diet or that diet, eat this, not that. It's not eating at all. Now for someone who's been pretty much totally dependent on food all your life, just the actual idea of not eating, didn't that freak you out? You know, at first I was like, what? what is this? It just, it, when I, the first time I ever heard of it, I was like, oh, there is no way I can ever do that. 
I'm eating all day long and I can't imagine like, you know, I'm going to get hangry and I'm going to, you know, anytime in the past when I had tried to quote unquote restrict myself, it was usually through calorie restriction or something like that. And I, it never felt good. And, you know, I just walked around hungry and not happy all day long. So I was like, no, I can't do this. But for some reason this time, uh, I, I, my wife had, um, ran into an acquaintance of ours who was doing it and he'd lost a significant amount of weight and he started telling her about it. And he, when he was telling her about it, he was telling her that he was doing keto and I don't do keto. I can't, I, I don't feel good on keto. It just doesn't work for me. I think yeah. it's fantastic if it works for others, but it, it doesn't for me. So I was like, oh no, this intermittent fasting thing isn't for me. Cause you have to do it with keto. But then she, she had another person that she works with, who is a doctor who was like, he's doing intermittent fasting, but he's not doing keto. He's just eating whatever foods he wants. And I was like, Oh, so I started looking more into it and really started doing a lot of research. And I found Jim Stevens book, Delay Don't Deny and started clean fasting. And that made all the difference. And within a few days, I was like, this is, this is it. This is my answer. I know that I can do this. Amazing. And, and if you didn't get hungry or you didn't like feel starving? No, no, it was incredible. I mean, I had maybe a touch of hunger as my body switches from uh, sugar burning to fat burning, usually anywhere between a 12 and 16 hours, my body will do a little wave of hunger. And in the beginning, throwing a, a a grain of Himalayan salt under my tongue helped pass the hunger it lasts less than 15 minutes having some water and and then just I would get distracted and all of a sudden my I have an app on my phone and it would go off and say oh you reached your 20 hours I'd be like oh I guess it's time to eat it was incredible incredible it is incredible I mean 20 hours without eating most people as you did at the beginning you know would think why would I do that to myself? Right, right. I couldn't fathom it. When I first started trying intermittent fasting, I wasn't yet clean fasting. And so I was drinking diet soda and chewing gum and, and didn't realize I was still spiking my insulin during my quote unquote fast. And so the fast was hard. I could barely make it to 16 hours. I was like white knuckling it at the counter, like willing the timer to switch before and then eating everything in sight because I was, I was starving. Once I discovered clean fasting, which as you know, is just water, either uh, flat or sparkling, but it's plain water, no flavors added at all, plain black coffee or plain, black or green tea and those can be hot or iced and that's it no nothing added no added flavors no no added foods anything like that once I started doing that I, I that was the key that unlocked it and just made it so much easier and it was it was really noticeable like from one day to the next when the one day I was wasn't clean fasting and then the next day when I was and I immediately was able to do like 18 hours, no problem. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now wow, get it. yeah, that's amazing. And you say that you were still eating just whatever you wanted or that there's no restriction or no changes? Right, so I didn't restrict anything. Uh, at first I was just eating what I wanted within my eating window. So after reading Delay Don't Deny, I found the obesity code and I was listening to it uh, through Audible because I preferred that to reading all the science words. So after listening to the obesity code by Dr. Jason Fung, uh, I stopped wanting any artificial sweeteners. All artificial, I just stopped, which meant no more diet soda. And I used to drink that like by the 12 pack a day and I just went cold turkey and just stopped having all diet. Just from that moment, I was like, I don't want to put those chemicals in my body anymore. 
Whereas so, before, before it hadn't bothered you? No, I didn't. I thought the exact opposite. I thought that drinking the diet soda was helping me. I thought having the art of all those artificial sweeteners was helping me and not having sugar, real sugar was, was the enemy and artificial sweeteners was the answer. And so, and so many people, you know, cause I had been morbidly obese. I mean, my top weight had been 369 pounds. Mm. Um, I did have a gastric bypass in there that I'd lost some weight and then regained. Um, but I, I was over 280 pounds when I started intermittent fasting. So I was still morbidly obese and I had had people, uh, different doctors and different folks along the way who would say to me, you know, the diet sodas are, are a problem. I'd be like, no, the ice cream I'm eating is a problem. The diet sodas are helping me. So I really didn't get it until I read his book. And then I was like, oh, oh, it's causing the same brain reaction as sugar oh, the chemicals are doing worse things for me than eating whole real foods. And can I just ask, when you were in that process of getting the gastric bypass, which is a major, major event in your, mm -hmm. in your health, in your life, did nobody who, like any health professional, professional did nobody talk about changing your diet or, you know, even cutting out the sweetness nobody mentioned that everyone has always mentioned to me changing my diet uh it's it's always been there when i had the gastric bypass that was 10 years ago that was in 2011 um you know i they told me that i would not be able to have sugar the way that i did and that i was looking forward to that that was one of the reasons i had the gastric bypass because i could not stop myself from eating. Doctors have always tried. I've had employers, you know, friends, family, everybody who loved me has said at one point or another, please Alice and do something. And, and then I would, I would go try another diet. I would try another, this, I'd try, you know, I've, I try liquid diets. I try pay in ways. I try, I'd, I'd always try. And maybe for two, three months, I could be successful. I could lose a little weight. I could, and then I'd fall off the program. And when I'd fall off the program, it was like a deep dive. And, you know, I remember when I was making the decision to have the bypass, I mean, I, I really didn't want to have surgery to reconstruct my whole insides. That, that's not really what I was hoping for. But I mean, I was going to Costco, which warehouse, food, right? They only sell things in giant sizes. And I was buying a giant pie and sitting down and eating it with a fork. The entire thing, like that was a portion. And I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I'm not enjoying my life. One of the things that I love, love, love is Disneyland. And I was so big and so in so much pain and almost immobile. I, I had to rent a scooter to get around. I couldn't even walk. And it's like, I, this is not the, and it was hard to get on rides. I had to worry every single time whether I'd fit on a ride. I didn't want to live like that anymore. So that that's really why I did the gastric bypass was because they said, this will force you to restrict your food. And I was like, yes, please. Because yeah. everything else I'd tried hadn't worked. And it did for a little while. I mean, the consequences of not restricting your food are pretty un unpleasant with a gastric sure. bypass. And so that's really how your body says, yeah, no, you've eaten too much food, you've eaten the wrong food, or you've eaten too quickly. And it lets you know very quickly uh, if you've done any of those things. And so that, that worked for a little while. And I lost over, probably close to 150 pounds after wow. the gastric bypass. Uh, but then, and, and life was starting to get better. I was happy. I was starting to fit into smaller clothes. I was still, uh, I think morbidly obese. I don't know what the category was, but maybe it was just obese. I don't know where the line is really, but, uh, in that time 
I uh, met my wife and we got engaged and um, it was, and I, I had gotten down to like just above 200 pounds and started regaining. I mean, it, it was the point where I picked out a wedding dress and by the time it came in, I, I, I didn't fit in it anymore. And I had to take it to a seamstress to reconstruct the whole thing. Mm. And I just couldn't stop. And my weight just started going back up. And my pouch, you know, when you have a gastric bypass, they make a pouch. And my pouch was expanding. And uh, I was finding ways to, to go back to eating sugar and overeating and just piling on the food. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So what is the difference in your experience between that the gastric bypass and the fact that it worked but only for a little while and intermittent fasting and the fact that it works why would it work any longer term than a gastric bypass yeah um probably this is just based on my experience uh intermittent fasting is a choice that i am making on a daily basis and it feels great and in the beginning, when I first started intermittent fasting, like I said, I, I, was a lo- I was eating things that every other diet had always told me, you're not allowed to eat. And I was feeling good on it. And I couldn't believe it. And I'm talking about things like potatoes, right? I, I love potatoes. And every, every single diet I've ever been on has always said, you can't have potatoes. No, no <laughs> potatoes potatoes are bad. And I, I think I've had a potato at least once a week, if not every day, since I started intermittent fasting, and my body loves them. So this whole idea of bio individuality, that all of our bodies are different. I never, I never understood that no one ever told me that ever, everything was always one size fits all. And even with the gastric bypass, I wasn't it's like I was having this external thing forcing different choices on me, but my mind wasn't really wanting to make those choices yet. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, even after all that time and even after having some, some success with the gastric bypass, my, my mind was still seeking food as a way to soothe my emotions, cure my boredom, celebrations you know food food was still like this is what I do when anything happens <laughs> yeah so that that I think that that was the primary difference for me with between that and the intermittent fasting is that with intermittent fasting I'm I'm able to make choices about the foods that make me feel good the other thing is, is that with the gastric bypass, when you first have it, um, what they tell you is you need to eat small meals, like six to eight small meals throughout the whole day. Mm-hmm. Well, what I know now is that that means I'm spiking my insulin six to eight times. It's staying elevated basically throughout the day. I'm basically filling my little pouch, waiting it for empty, filling it again, waiting it for it to empty. I am constantly in food burning mode, you know, and never really getting into any sort of fat burning mode, you're kind of forced into it through the gastric bypass because of how it's more, it's more of a calorie restriction. I just couldn't eat, I still can't eat that much food in any one sitting. So, but it did nothing for the cravings. It did nothing for the obsession. Intermittent fasting, however, for the first time in my life, my brain got quiet. I didn't have food constantly talking to me. There was this sense of calm because I know when I'm going to be eating, I know I'm going to be getting to have delicious foods that I love and I don't have to think about it until then. I don't have to worry about it. And, and I didn't, it's the first time my brain just said, okay. 
And I had all this clarity and this increased energy and I'm being more productive and I'm finding that I, I want to get up and go. I know now that's the hormone leptin that really tells us uh, you're full, you're at satiety and go outside and take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and just finding that I wanted to be more active and do more things and just like projects around the house that I was like, Ugh, I can't do them. I'm not getting off the couch. I don't ever sit on the couch anymore. Like it's very rare that I'm like our TV only has things for my kiddo. I, I don't even know what's what popular shows are on these days. <laughs> so it's that's such a difference because like all I used to do is sit in front of the TV and eat. And mm -hmm. I used to say, I don't have an off switch. I could never feel full ever. I just knew hungry and overstuffed. I, I never could feel the difference. I could never feel when I was approaching it. And intermittent fasting is the first thing that ever really gave me that freedom to feel, oh, I'm getting enough food. This is incredible. Amazing. Amazing. Because it's we do, we tend to believe that there is no off switch, whereas what it is is that we haven't found it. We're looking in the wrong places. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize that by eating all day, I was essentially blocking my brain from being able to read the, the signals. The off switch was there. I was just blocking it with my uh, own behavior. Yeah, with your own behavior. And I would say also with all the advice that we get about how to eat and, you know, not just the diets, even, you know, the, just the general dietary advice is to eat little and often, not just, you know, if you've had a gastric bypass, just generally. Um, and that is like the opposite of what's, of how we feel good, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I've never felt this good, ever, ever. But at the time, I was still eating everything. Um, and in fact, I rediscovered a love for baking. I had always loved baking and never allowed myself because I couldn't control uh, what I was baking going into my mouth. And with intermittent fasting, I was finding that I could bake. I could bake while I was fasted, which was amazing. And then uh, save a little bit for my window or bake things that I don't really like, but make it for other people. And it just became this whole thing love the way I show love I mean in the beginning during the pandemic I was sending out care packages every week to my family uh, who are on the other side of the country and uh just baking up a storm like all the time and it's interesting now that I'm sugar free I'm like I can't do that anymore <laughs> I'm like I, I can't I can't in good conscience send you sugar when I know more about it now but at the time I, I was I the intermittent fasting was what was allowing me to to do that and I loved it and and so yeah and things change you know they're not static so you know you're you're where you are at one point and then yeah it's dynamic things change just want to take a quick break to say just how amazing it is to talk to Alison and to see where she started out from and how far she's come. Because that's what life after sugar is all about. It's not about being perfect. It's not about getting it right first time or even the second time or the third time. It's about taking that first step and being self-aware of who you are, what you need, what feels good and what doesn't feel good and doing what it takes to get back your energy for life and live your life to the full. And that's why I'm inviting you to download your simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar on my website, aftersugarclub.com. So go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab, Simple Guide. And you can also surf around there and look at all the free resources like the videos about what to eat, what to buy at the grocery store, and what the deal is with fermented foods and gut health. Because you know, sugar is one of the worst things for gut health. And once you change your definition of what food is, 
and start eating a real foods diet will improve enormously. And if you want to be in a group of like-minded, empathetic people who are on the same path as you to their life after sugar, which is where we feel free from the hold sugar has on us, and where if you follow an intermittent fasting lifestyle, it becomes easy and natural, then come join us in our monthly membership, the After Sugar Club. Go to aftersugarclub.com forward slash club to look around the club and see if it's a good fit for you. And if it is, join us. You can also find me on my Facebook page, Life After Sugar, and also on Instagram at My Life After Sugar, where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, inspiration so that you can see that it's totally possible to live a fun and active life with all its ups and downs, even when you don't eat sugar. And check out the Life After Sugar YouTube channel as well, that has a growing library of recipes, tips, stories, and inspiring interviews. All right, let's get back to my chat with Alison. At what point did you say to yourself, yeah, I, I got to do something about the sugar? Yeah. So what I found is in the beginning with the intermittent fasting, appetite correction really kind of set in for me. And the highly processed foods became far less attractive. I stopped wanting fast food, which was amazing to me. I stopped really, I, I, start, I started noticing when different foods made me not feel good and was like, you know what, this isn't really window worthy. So I'm going to wait and have something that is. Um, and so that kind of naturally was happening. Um, and so I was getting less and less sugar. And then I would say, I think it was probably around February of 2021, right? The, the pandemic and lockdown was still in place. It had been going on now for almost a year and it, I had been doing fine through it. And then it hit me and I was just like, I, I, I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss going out places. And just this sadness came over me and I turned to food and I was eating in still, I'm still fasting, but my choices in my eating window, once I made that choice to have something highly processed, I no longer had a choice about whether I was having something highly processed <laughs> and it just kind of snowballed. And I was overeating, binging at times in my eating window, but then my eating window is creeping longer. So my sweet spot is usually a 20 hour fast with a four hour window. My windows were creeping to like six, seven, eight hours where I was eating. And then my fasting was getting a little shorter, sometimes 16 hours, sometimes 18 hours. Sometimes I was still doing 20, but then my eating window, you know, oh, I'm going to close it. And then I'd reopen it. And then mm -hmm. I'd reopen it. And then I'd reopen it. And it was always for highly processed sugar, flour, crunchy, salty, all, all of that was in there. And I was like, I'm, I'm I really, I don't want to live this way that my clothes were starting to get tighter. I was not feeling good about myself. And I was like, I, I, I was so close to a goal weight, like the goal weight that had been the super secret goal weight in the back of my head that I'd never, ever said out loud. I was close to that. Mm -hmm. And I started going the other direction. I was like, I, I don't want to do this. And there's a saying that when the student is ready, the teachers appear. Yes. And I started just looking up, just going into my Facebook communities, going online, just seeking answers. Like, how do you stop binging in your window? How do you stop overeating your window? And almost every answer was sugar. Yeah. Every answer. And they probably had been there all along, but it's the first time I had seen 
so many people saying, I'm going sugar-free. I'm going to do a sugar challenge. I'm stopping sugar for the next two weeks. I'm going to stop sugar this week. I'm limiting sugar. It's the first time that I really noticed how many people were talking about it. And I was like, oh, I need to do this. I think I need, I think this is it. I think this is, this is what I need to do. And it was like a, a, a switch that was flipped in my head of that mindset that never had been there before about, you know, sugar and, and flour and highly processed foods. Suddenly it was like, this is, this is a choice that I want to make because I don't like how I'm feeling. And I know the difference because I had been feeling fantastic, probably primarily because I wasn't eating so many highly processed foods in my window. Sure. And, and I could feel the difference now and I don't like it. So it was all about how you were feeling and as a secondary thing, what you were eating. Yes, yes. I really didn't because what I was eating was my kids' snacks. So I, it, there was no way that it was quality food and I knew I was mindlessly eating it. So with whole foods, I can tell the difference now. It's really exciting for me with whole foods when I eat real whole foods, I have an off switch and I can feel when I get to full. And then I, sometimes I still make a decision. Oh, I still want another bite of that really yummy, delicious thing on my plate. Okay, yeah. oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it's just a little bit of uncomfortability with the highly processed foods, once I start eating them, I don't stop and I don't feel full. I constantly eat. And so I'm constantly going back to the pantry, get another handful, eat. Oh, I'm gonna restrict myself to a handful. Five minutes later, back to the pantry, getting another handful, but never getting that feeling like, oh, I should stop because I'm full. Oh, maybe I just overeat. No, it's only until the bag's done or I'm done or I'm too tired to get up or whatever. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I can't move. Yeah. Because I'm so overstuffed and so uncomfortable. And it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. I can yeah. feel the difference and it's so uncomfortable. And you, yes. And I think we can all relate. Yeah. We've all been there, most of us at least, you uh -huh. know, to a greater or lesser extent. And those foods that you say, you know, you can't stop eating, whether it's sweet or salty and crunchy, whatever, they've been engineered by the food industry with millions and millions of dollars invested into making you behave that way and making your brain react that way. That's ex they've got you exactly where they want you. Absolutely. And I never believed that until I really experienced it myself. And now as, as a health coach, I'm going and doing all this research and I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, they, they hired psychologists and physiologists specifically to engineer these, these foods to have like what you said, the bliss point where it's that perfect, sweet, salty crunch, whatever it is they're trying to get you so that you can't eat just one. And, and they're messing with our brains. Yeah, they're, they're very good at it. Yes, yes, <laughs> I never, and, and so now that I know just how manipulated I was, um, that's another thing that I'm like, you're, I'm not gonna let you manipulate me anymore. I do not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, never, I never got it before. I never really understood it. I didn't, and, and I don't think it's that I didn't understand it. I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep eating what I wanted to eat. I thought that that was what was bringing me pleasure. I thought that that's what was going to make everything feel better. And so I didn't want to know different. And that's, that, very, um, that's very astute of you to recognize that. Thank you. I, I just, I've done a, a lot of looking at this, both for myself and then now for my clients, because I have so much freedom now. I, I want to help everybody. And so I've been looking into a lot of this and what makes me want to eat versus someone else and what, what, how, how does this all work? Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I was doing all this research and finding out, uh, 
and seeing all of a sudden all these people saying sugar 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 gotta stop the sugar and I was like okay so then it's well how do I define what sugar-free is and I, I just love your podcast. I love how it's defining it in your way and your time. I, I believe that too, because again, bioindividuality is important. And if it's not your choice based on how you feel, you are not going to stick with it. You're just not because the messages that are out there, the environmental cues, the messages, the cravings, that they're all working against us. And so it has to be our own choice. But so for me, I, I started trying to figure out what does sugar-free mean to me? And I, 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 there were so many opinions and there were so many different definitions. And most of the folks in the sugar-free space were talking of, that I've found, were talking again about keto. It's like, I already know that I tried keto and I already know that that does not work for me. I. I eat primarily, I, I, I say I lean toward vegetarian. Um, I love beans and potatoes, like I said, mm -hmm. and all kinds of vegetables. And so uh, that wasn't going to be the answer for me. And so I was like, it, it can't be that it's only one or the other. It can't be like, you're either eating keto or you're eating sugar. Like there has to be some other way. So I, I was doing some more research and one, somebody posted in something, you know, if you really want to get off sugar, read this book called Bright Line Eating. Mm. With Susan okay. Pierce Thompson. Yes. Yes. And so and that's, not, that's not for everybody either. No, it's not. She has created a program and she's written the book, uh, speaking directly to addicts and people who she calls high on the susceptibility scale. I mean, you can be anywhere on the susceptibility scale to do it, but her, her main focus was folks like me who have a really hard time putting sugar down when you pick it up. Uh, and it's not like I can have one little square of dark chocolate a night and be satisfied. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I read her book and uh, she has uh, several things she calls bright lines and her bright lines are you just don't cross them and the way that she defined her bright line for sugar resonated with me and really made sense and basically what it is is that um, no processed sugars no uh, processed uh, no um, processed artificial sugars, um, nothing like juiced or blended, but uh, whole fruit are, is okay. And from her research, she's a, a cognitive psychologist, from her research about how it hits the brain, it, fruit doesn't light up the brain in the same way that say having honey does or syrup or agave or sugar does. Um, and she thinks primarily that's because the rate of absorption is lessened because of the fiber in the fruit. And the um, fruit as well, the fiber is not, um, you know, kind of torn apart like it would be when it's liquidized or in smoothies, pureed, whatever. Right, right. So she does not advocate for smoothies or juicing. It's eating the whole fruit. Right, right. And, so, and chewing your food. Chewing. Right. Chewing slows it down. You know, think about how quickly you eat applesauce versus how quickly you eat an apple. Right. The chewing is a whole big part of that. So that definition of being sugar-free worked for me. And the thing that always tripped me up in the past too, when I, I was trying to do sugar-free, um, my, my little attempts along the way, I'll call them, uh, was uh, condiments. And okay. because sugar is everywhere, it mm -hmm. really is. And it's hidden in a lot of things, but it, it's, it's in everything and it, it's really difficult to uh, 
find a lot of condiments without any sugar whatsoever that don't then have artificial sugars in them, right? They'll say sugar-free or low sugar, but they have some form of artificial something in there or some form of sugar in another form that they don't have to call it sugar and it's still in there. So under her definition, if I'm understanding it correctly, is for a condiment, if you're having it sparingly, as long as whatever the sugar type is, real, artificial, whatever form, it, it cannot be in the top three ingredients for a condiment. And I was like, oh, yay, because now I can still have a, a burger and have my little barbecue sauce on it. And I have very little, but the taste that's fine for me. And I enjoy that. And that was that, that it's the little things that always tripped me up. Like, oh, I want to be able to go to a restaurant and just eat and not worry so much about everything. And so uh, that, and, and then trying like the ones that have absolutely no sugar and no artificial, they didn't taste good to me. <laughs> it's like, this isn't going to be workable for a long right. term. I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not someone who convinces myself to eat something that doesn't taste good. I no, you can't convince yourself that you like something. I mean, your tastes can change. That's for sure. And I'm sure you've experienced where your liking for sweetness has gone way down, not sweeteners, but sweetness has gone way, way down. But, you know, there's a certain point, like, I don't like celery and you can't make me like it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It's like, you're, you're not going to get me to eat eggs no matter how much you want me to. I don't like them. Yeah, exactly. So, so I follow her bright line for sugar. And then she has a bright line for flour. And because I know how much I am susceptible to flour. It lights up my brain the same. Basically, all these natural foods, I mean, sugar's a natural food from sugar cane, flour from wheat or from almonds or what have you, the way she describes it, you know, it's uh, you take a plant and you refine it and process it all the way down into a white powdery form. She makes that analogy, you know, with cocaine and the, yeah, and it's like, ooh, yeah. I'm already, you know, an addict. And so this is the first time I had ever seen somebody lay it out so clearly that sugar and flowers are hitting my dopamine centers the exact same way that drugs used to and lighting me up and that it's not that it's making me feel good, what it is, is it's giving me relief from the craving. And so the whole brain science around it is just fascinating to me. I'm still researching that and looking into that because I'm, I'm just like, oh yeah, this, this totally resonates now. Like now is the time for me to, to, to find all this because I'm ready for it. Um, that's, so a big, that's a big thing, you know, being ready makes a huge difference because that research has been, is being done and has been ongoing for years, but it's when you yourself are ready to listen, that's when that switch happens. Exactly. I don't think anybody could have given this to me a moment before I was ready. And so I know that for others. It's like, I just want to be here to help them when they're ready. That's lovely. Um, and yeah, because you can't force somebody to, to do these, to make these decisions. It has to be for yourself. But so for me, I, I found her book and it resonates. Now she has a couple of other bright lines around food quantities and food timing. Um, I tried them and they did not resonate for me um, because the intermittent fasting has been so helpful and has it's really my lifestyle and I, I cannot ever see going back to eating three meals a day like I was on vacation once and it ended up we ate like all day long like it just that's the and I was like I don't like that I don't want to do that anymore yeah. so um within her program she has ways you can modify it and I have done that um but I do um, I needed a definition that worked for me for what is, and I needed, and this is the other thing that I, I tell people is 
you need to have a firm definition of what it means to you. Now your definition can change over time, but usually it gets narrower, not wider mm -hmm. um, as you find things out. But if you're going to, if you're realizing that sugar and flour and or flour or other foods are just not playing a role that you want in your life, they're not making you feel good uh, and you want to change that, you need to have a clear definition because you need to have a, this is okay and this is not okay for me within myself. This yes. is gonna make me feel good, this isn't. And if you're not clear, those lines become super, super blurry. And then next thing I know, I'm back into a, a bag of crackers followed by a pint of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. And you need to know yourself well enough, which usually means doing a little bit of experimenting and making some trial and error, you know, experiments. And that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right first time. Absolutely. 100%. Like there's, there's no way to fail at this. There's no wagon that we're in. There's no cliff that we're on the edge of. It's just, I, I eat today and I notice how I feel and I can make a different decision tomorrow, but it does not negate all the work that I've done and all the progress that I've made. If the decision I made today made me not feel good and wasn't my ideal foods. Okay. Totally. Yeah, totally resonate with that. And now you coach people and you help them. You're an intermittent fasting coach, right? I am, I am. I've been uh, helping folks for uh, a, a, quite a while now. And, I, and it all started with family and friends who noticed, I mean, through, so, through the intermittent fasting and then through continuing with no sugar, no flour, I have gotten down below my super secret goal weight. And I am now in a quote unquote normal weight, you know, according to BMI, it's, I call it my right size body. And I feel amazing. I, I'm wearing the size clothes that I never imagined I would be able to wear and uh, no, no more pain and um, the, all, all kinds of really, really fantastic non-scale victories. So my friends and family are noticing because how do you not notice that I'm half of what I was? <laughs> And uh, you're like, what are you doing? And I'm just shouting about it to anybody. I am intermittent fasting. You need to come and do this. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you need to come and do this. I'm like, if you want, I will help you. You know, if you want to try it, let me help you. Let me, let me show you how to do it. Let me talk to you. And it just started naturally becoming a coaching relationship with my friends and family. And they were being successful and feeling great. And they're the ones who said, you know, Allison, you, you, you're a health educator. I've been a health educator for more than 25 years. I have my master's degree in public health, specializing in health education. I've been a coach uh, in the business world. I know how to do coaching. I have my doctorate degree of psychology and organization yeah. development and uh, did a lot in the group facilitation sphere, leadership development, um, culture of organizations. But within that was a lot of coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching. And so they were like, you already have that background and now you have this passion and it's working. What? And I'd already retired from my job at doing organization development to stay home and raise my son. And it's like, oh, I could do this. He's starting back to school to be gone more, more hours of the day. And so it's like, oh, I can, I can do this. And I was like, oh my goodness. And it just started feeling right. And it started feeling really good. So I took myself back to school and went and became a certified health coach and uh, launched my business and am able to help people. And I'm, I'm just loving it because not everybody can find what, what they need in just reading the book 
or just looking online. And particularly if you don't have support around you. I mean, I was very lucky. My wife started intermittent fasting, I think two weeks after I did. Um, my mom's now doing it. Uh, like I said, all my friends, my close friends are, if they're not doing it, they at least understand it. And they're all very, at this point, supportive. But if you don't have that kind of support or you don't have the time to go through and do all the research that I've done, um, working with a coach can really be helpful. And I started working with a coach and that's made all the difference for me too. So me having my own coach and then now coaching others, uh, it's just, I, I just, I, I want people to feel the way that I feel this incredible freedom, this incredible flexibility, and that we don't have to be trapped by our diet brain anymore. Yeah, amen to that, amazing. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, I have a website. The easiest way is to go on my website and there's, um, there's all kinds of information on there, but you can also hit the contact Allison and just shoot me an email through there. My website is yourifcoach.com. So that's Y-O-U-R-I-F-C-O-A-C-H.com. And I have all the information on there. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram and on Instagram, you know, I just realized I have to look up exactly what my handle is because I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't, I don't talk about myself this way. Okay, so on Instagram, I am Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N dot your, Y-O-U-R dot I-F dot coach, C-O-A-C-H. And the name of my business is Your I-F Coach. So I'm your, I'm your intermittent fasting coach. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, Alison. You're doing good work. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. This has been an incredible experience. It's wonderful. Wonderful to hear just, you know, how free and how great you feel. I mean, in my book, that's all that counts. However you get there. I agree. I agree. Thank you. Ah, uh, smashing. Whether you're an intermittent faster or not, whether you struggle or have struggled in the past with your weight or not, or any other health issue, cutting sugar is the common denominator that is guaranteed to make you feel better. And Alison's story is yet another example of that. And this is what I call life after sugar. Because not only is there life after sugar, but when we imagine it from the other side as some kind of joyless and dull life with self-denial, we can't imagine what it's really like, which is actually a life full of vitality and energy, where you have this zest for life because you're not always dealing with the immediate health issues that are keeping you from doing what you really want to do. Spend quality time with your family. Wear the clothes that you want to wear and that fit comfortably. Eat the food that you want to eat and that's delicious and nourishes you and makes you feel good instead of making you feel hooked. Life after sugar is when you feel confident at the grocery store, at celebrations, in social situations because you know what you want for your life and you're 100% happy with what's on your plate or what's not on your plate. Life after sugar is all about knowing who you are, what you want and getting rid of anything that gets in the way of that, including sugar. So if you want to be part of a group of motivated people who get you and understand where you're going and where you're coming from and who are all on the same path to living their own life after sugar, then join us in our monthly membership, the After Sugar Club. That's at aftersugarclub.com forward slash club. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying this podcast, 
then please rate it and leave me a review to let me know how this podcast is inspiring you in your life after sugar. And don't forget to subscribe so that new episodes magically appear in your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.